Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. No, but uh, yeah, thank you very much for agreeing to to come and speak to us on the the Business Worth and Mindset podcast. So we are just all about, you know, capturing inspiration, the stories of, uh, you know, people like yourself who done pretty much well in, in business so that you can inspire others to also give them the hope and the belief that, you know, if Stephanie has achieved so much, you know, maybe there is hope for us as well. So, um, I mean, most of the time we just tend to just capture your story as a journey, uh, pretty much. You know, if you take us from the beginning, you know, your journey, maybe growing up, siblings, school, how you came to uh, entrepreneurship, and then we, uh, within that, we get to talk about you know the challenges, the successes, the lessons, and everything else in your journey, as your story. And uh, uh, you know, we, we find that people tend to relate to that, and they can relate it to their story and then pick up the inspiration within that as well. It's just a normal sort of general chat as we unpick your journey. Does that sound all right for you? Yeah, that sounds amazing. That's one of the things that I love about your podcast. When I listen as a listener, you really get to know people. Yeah, absolutely. Because you you get to understand, you know, what's driving people, the journeys they've been to uh, through and also what they've had to learn, you know, through that and also what uh, other people can actually get inspired by as well. Uh, so I think I think stories, you know, make for good inspiration for people. So, yeah, take us through your journey, you know, from the beginning. How did we get here and uh, what has been uh, the, the journey pretty much, yeah? Ah, Alex, it's been, I'm sure people say this all the time, it's been a bit of a roller coaster and a bit surprising. But yeah. I'll, just, um, I'll introduce myself as to what I do now. Yeah. And then, yeah. then we can go back in time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Stephanie Taylor. I'm a property investor. I invest with my sister, Nikki, and we invest in buying uh, multi-unit blocks and converting commercial property into multi-unit blocks. Multi-unit blocks is is basically a fancy word for blocks of flats, usually on one title, and they're usually conversions, not purpose-built blocks of flats. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. The ones that we own are between four and 12 units. Mm -hmm. um, But we're looking to obviously scale up on, on those. But it's been mm-hmm. it's been fun so that that's the property investment side of things yeah. as well as that i'm co-founder of hmo heaven an award-winning property management and development company with my sister again and we are also co-founders of rent to rent success where we help other people get started in property with little money using the rent to rent strategy and yeah. we love that business through that business we've inspired thousands of people to get started in property uh, we're hosts of the rent to rent success podcast a bit like yourself we have yeah. a podcast and we've published a best-selling book which has over 165 star reviews on amazon wow what i'm what i'm what i'm passionate about is uh, you'll hear from my story is that for many decades i really struggled financially in lots of mm. other ways as well and what i'm passionate about now is sharing with people that especially the people who think that they can't get started in property or mm. you know investing is I, I want to rip up the old school property rule, back, rule book mm-hmm. and say mm-hmm. to people, yes, you can get started in property. You can create the freedom in your life you want. You can live a life the way you want to and live it on your terms. So so that's that's really who, who I am t- mm-hmm. today. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. And so going back, you said, to yeah. growing up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And um, I, I have one sister who I'm now in business with, <laughs> but uh, we, we grew up together. My dad was in the army, the British army, and we, we moved around a bit in Europe and Germany. And then we settled in Birmingham in England. And mm. that's where we grew up. That's where we went to school and uh, grew up. And I think, uh, you know, happy, happy childhood 
Although my mm. parents got divorced when I was 11. Mm. Um, so that, that was a bit sad and that, that changed things for us a little bit. Yeah. But, um, but what really um, changed my traje- trajectory was that I had my son Alex when I was 18 mm. and that really changed the direction that, that my life was going to go. And I wasn't very confident. I, you know, some people have just got that little bit of sass and <laughs> even though they might not have the qualifications and so on, yeah. they might be able yeah. to get into places and get better paying jobs. I was kind of a bit timid yeah. and um, I I wasn't really like that. And so I didn't I didn't have that bit of sass. And uh, so when when I had Alex, I had the idea that I would carry on working, but my job was quite low paid. And mm. I would drop him off at the nursery six a.m. It was winter, um, and um, he's born at the end of August. But you know, a few months later, when I went back to work, it was in the winter, and so he'd get up and it would be cold and dark. Drop him off all wrapped up and uh, then 6 p.m. dark again um, picking him up to come back and he just didn't seem very happy at the nursery Um, most of the majority of my uh, wages which was quite low was going on this private nursery Mm. and um, I just started to question it he seemed so unhappy there and I'm Mm -hmm. not really seeing him hardly at all and so one particular exchange with the nursery just made it made me realize uh or just gave me that feeling they don't care about him Mm. um and it wasn't that they were bad people or anything they were just doing their job but it it wasn't with care and um and i just decided to not to work and to claim benefits and look after myself at home until he went to school Mm. And that again brought more, I don't know, shame, humiliation. That used to go to <laughs> queue up every fortnight in the post office with the court. Yeah. It was called at the time to collect your money in cash, ninety-four pounds every fortnight. And really, it was a juggle between the pennies. And one of the most um, um, stressful things was going to the supermarket because you know when they move things around at the supermarket, they've always done that. Um, but they also changed the price of things as well quite regularly but it was very important to me to know the exact price I used to go in there with my calculator because it was before smartphones Mm -hmm. so I used to just make sure that everything added up before I went to the till because my worst nightmare was to get to the till (laughs) and then having to be put things back because I can't afford everything that I bought and people looking at me and Mm -hmm. I just me just wanted the whole ground to just open up and swallow me up because literally um i was i was budgeting to the penny wow 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 you see that's the that's the thing i love about these stories because you know you would know that you know your story is probably not unique there are a lot of people facing similar things that you had gone through and that's a lot of challenge but you know somehow you managed to pick yourself from there to where you are now you know so successful which actually inspires people to say, actually, it is possible, just like you say, you know, people can actually do that. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, just to pick it up from there, then, uh, you know, um, how, what were the next stages then? That's sort of uh, things that happened to actually take you into following a different path into up to and including getting to be an entrepreneur and investing in property, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a long and winding road, Alex, and I didn't go right from that girl at 19. I know some people do mm. um, do things very young in very adverse situations, but mine was a more gradual step-by-step journey. So I had little goals. I, I just didn't, I could never have imagined where we are today with a multi-million pound property portfolio and several yeah. businesses. Mm-hmm. It just would have been beyond my uh, comprehension. I would, I just wouldn't have believed that I had the capacity to do anything like that. I Hmm. But I, I did believe that I could do something and I did have, I did want to do something. And um, so while I was at home looking after Alex, I signed up for the Open University. Hmm. And uh, they do the, uh, back in the day, it was Correspondence University. So you would, it was all through the post. So you would receive uh-huh. your 
your workbooks, uh, what they're called, your school books through the yeah. post mm-hmm. and videos as well because you used to put the videos to watch on television or there was some television programs that were for the courses yeah that came on the actual television but um it was so fun and then there were some points in time where you would go weekly to a local college or university to meet up with other people studying locally with the university and that really gave me a lot of confidence because um I was good at writing essays and yeah. I enjoyed it. And uh, I was getting these really good marks on the essays and I would I just wait by, <laughs> back in the day, you used to write them out longhand, yeah. write all the in, in handwriting and, um, and then wait for it to come back. And the tutor, there was a top form where they would put the mark and the grading mm-hmm. and they would put all of the comments. And it would yeah. be like, sometimes it would be a whole A4 page of uh, comments all written longhand. Yeah. And I just used to live for these moments where the, the feedback came back and whether you just handed it in or whether you just put some thoughts together. I just enjoyed it so much and it gave me a lot of confidence and, uh, I I got to enjoy also being being home with my son, who was a, such a happy baby, just mm, a, a, just such an easy, lovely, sociable um, boy, perfect baby that I could have had, and mm. um, and also have this also thing on the side that was uh, helping me keep my you know grow mm. my brain and feel like. Yeah even more was possible because look, people are saying that you're good at this. Yeah, good. Wow. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, and then you, 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 you finished that and yeah. uh, what, what happened after that? Then? Well, I went to university full time when Alex went to school and mm. finished off and there were, there were a lot of different jobs, but basically Alex to, to mm. skip forward, I found my feet. I started to, mm. Uh, become more confident in work I did Mm -hmm. some other degrees as well and postgraduate degrees I was invited to do a PhD that was that was a big moment because I was living in Birmingham Mm. and I had decided Alex was nine by this stage Mm. and I had some you know reasonable uh jobs and I I was doing okay but I just thought a different living in a different place would open things up so much. I felt really in a rut in Birmingham and I thought maybe it's not the best area to Mm. bring up Alex. And I was looking at other opportunities and I thought it just came to me one day, you know what, you could get a job anywhere else in the country and just have the same experience, but in a different place. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the answer. And um, I started looking for jobs all over, but the one that um, changed it was, it was in Edinburgh, and I'd oh. heard about Edinburgh because we all have heard of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I'd never been to Edinburgh, but I'd heard it was a very progressive country, um, lots of opportunity, very beautiful. I, I'd heard Scotland was progressive, and, and uh, not Edinburgh in particular was progressive, but Scotland as a whole uh, is quite progressive in, mm. in its politics. And, um, and I thought that this this could be a great place for Alex to bring up and to 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 work and mm. I applied for a job as a it was a a research fellowship it was mm-hmm. uh, and it was between the University of Edinburgh and the University of Glasgow and in the in the thing it was in the job description it was detailing all about what this project was about and what kind of experience they wanted you to have yeah now, my experience, I had a little bit of experience, not a huge amount, and I i thought I was being a bit ambitious actually applying for this job. But I thought mm. people say, you know, believe bigger, uh, go <laughs> for it, try things out, test it. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'll apply. And back in the day, it was all on paper. You had to send off or to get the application form, which came hard copy, and you had to fill it all out on paper. Yeah. Um, and so all of all of the applications took a, a bleep bleep long time. Anyway, um, I got I got an interview for this job, and I went yeah. up to Edinburgh, and 
I was just blown away as I came out of the um, new, uh, sorry, I, I nearly said new street station, but that's the Birmingham train station. Yeah, yeah. But as I came out of Waverley, the train station in Edinburgh, and I looked up, and there were these beautiful buildings, and it, I was on the mound, it's on a big hill, and mm. I just thought, wow, this place is beautiful. And I, I just got that feeling, this, this, this is it, this yeah. is the place. Mm. And um, what happened the following day when I got to the interview was I, I walked across the meadows and there were trees in blossom. There's, it's a grass area. In the distance, you can see um, the big hills around Edinburgh, Arthur's Seat. And so it was a beautiful day. Um, people were outside. Students were sitting out, playing ball and walking, talking, all of the things, camping out, you know. Mm. And there were paths across this green area and each path was lined with blossom trees. So you're yeah. just walking through this blossom tree, looking out across the greenery of the meadows up towards the hills. And I just thought, oh, this place is stunning. And people have been telling me it's just cold and gray and horrible. Mm -hmm. in and mm. it was May and it was, it was glorious. And, um, and I just thought, these people don't know what they were talking about. This place mm. is beautiful. It's stunning. So I went across to the interview, and I'm on a high, and I arrived there. And it's a big a big table with five people behind, and there's me sitting there mm -hmm. uh, like a rabbit in the headlights, yeah. <laughs> um, thinking that I'm lucky, really, to even be in the room with, with them. And they were so lovely. Um, the way that they asked the questions and so on, they really helped me to bring out, I thought, the best of myself. I, I left feeling that I couldn't have done any better with the knowledge that I had. Yeah. I felt that I'd given it my best shot with my capabilities at the time. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And I I went back and at the, oh, sorry, before the end of it, they kept asking me, it was Professor Michael Adler. He was the chair of this panel. And he said to me, yeah. um, where are you going to be tomorrow? Because mm -hmm. this was before the days of mobile phones. So you had to know yeah. which phone number you're going to be on. So I explained um, I would be at the B&B &B and then I would be going home. There was mm -hmm. no mobile, or most people did not have a mobile phone in those days either. It sounds like it's in the dark <laughs> ages. But I think this is only about 1998. Yeah. Um, 99, that sort of time. And um, I, I did get a mobile phone. I was a late adopter. I did get a mobile yeah. phone in, in, in 2000 when I moved to Edinburgh just so that the school would be able to get in contact with me. Yeah. But, but at this point, most people didn't have a mobile phone. I didn't have one and most people didn't have one. And um, he was asking me where I'd be. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe, Stephanie, that you've even got got this job i cannot believe it anyway i could not wait to get home i i was staying over that night and the following day i went home and i was looking at my answering machine and i i was just i was just looking to see have i have i got have i done it have i got it hmm. and i was looking at the answer machine there was no messages and then there was no messages and there was no messages there was no messages hmm. anyway Two weeks later, I got a letter, and the letter was a, a, um, a page and a half of A4 long, and it said, basically, we thought you were amazing, and it even detailed all of the reasons why they thought I was great and a good fit. Mm. It then went on to say that somebody else who'd already done their PhD at the University of Edinburgh, so it was well known to them, and had yeah. more research experience than I did, yeah. um, they had given it to them instead. Oh. So but they would like to offer me an opportunity to do a master's degree with them and then a PhD with them. I already had mm -hmm. a master's degree in, in Berlin. Yeah. And, um, and so that was what really opened the door to me moving to Edinburgh. Edinburgh. And, wow. um, and, and that was, that was a pivotal point really. Um, it was a great, it was great for Alex. He went to a great school, um, lovely friends and, um, it was just pivotal in 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 my confidence, my career, and so on. And yeah. I would have just carried on on that trajectory. Mm -hmm. But in, I'll just get on to how I got into property. Yeah, sure, sure. The short, the short version <laughs> was that um, 
I, I lived in Edinburgh with Alex um, for 15 years. And then Alex moved away to go to work in Birmingham. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, I'm not tied with Edinburgh now. And I would love to move back uh, to England. And mm. um, I moved. And also, I would be closer to Alex because he's in Birmingham. He's in Birmingham, and, yeah. Mm. And I moved to Bristol, which oh, I thought nice. was, where can you move up to Edinburgh? That's also a beautiful city with lots going on. And I thought Bristol. And I was living in Bristol. I was working in banking. I was doing okay financially. And I, but I had a moment. And I hear a lot of people on your podcast, Alex, saying that they had this moment where they realized that what mm. they were doing wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my moment was that my mum got ill. Oh. And one moment, one, one morning, she called me. And I was on the phone to her. She called me. I was getting ready for work in my flat. And uh, I lived walking distance to the bank. I lived right on the harbour side in Bristol. And the bank was also in this big square on the harbour side. It was only like a 10-minute walk, if that. Mm. And uh, I had a lovely place overlooking the harbour. I loved being by the water. So I was very happy there. Mm. She called me. And... I did not give her time. I was sort of really in a hurry to get her off the phone and mm. with a bit of irritation, a bit of concern about, um, oh, you know, what about, what was I concerned about? You know, getting to work on time, the presentation I was making that day and all yeah. sorts of other things. And so I was like not not giving her time, space, energy. Yeah. You could feel it through the phone because she was saying, oh, sorry to bother you, sorry to bother you. Oh, I didn't mean to call no. you. Of course, you're getting ready for work. Da, da, da. Yeah. Anyway, so I, got, I went off to work and I was sitting at, at, at my desk in the afternoon looking out the window because I'm right on the harbour. And it just hit me like a punch in the belly. It was just, it was just with that force. Mm. I could just suddenly see, oh, my gosh. I was sort of sitting there patting myself on the back saying, oh, your presentation went well. That was great engagement you got. I think that, you know, this is this, this went really well for you. Um, and then I thought, oh, but what about mom? Oh, my gosh. And then it just came to me with such clarity. So she, there she was waking up in the morning, not feeling well, mm. reaching out to somebody to get that connection Everything's yeah. going to be okay, mom. You're going to be okay. Maybe she was just feeling a bit scared. Mm. Um, but I wasn't there for her. And what I realized in that moment was the bank's not that important. Yeah. If I didn't turn up to the bank that day or any other day, it would just carry on as normal. Mm. But my mom is really important to me. She only has two daughters. I'm the eldest. Yeah. And, um, and also, who do I want to be? Who, who do I say I am? Yeah. my family but in practice how do I actually behave and so I think it's a situation that a lot of people are in because you you, you know you need to work to make a living but I thought yeah. there must be another way there must be other ways that people do things whereby you don't go to mm. work and of course we know that that exists I knew that yeah. existed, but I didn't think I had the capabilities to be able to run a business yeah but I was so fired up in my belly. I, I just had this urgency mm -hmm. to change and to be able to be more flexible so that I could go to Bristol, uh, sorry, Birmingham for three months to be with mom if I wanted, or she could come to us. I just wanted to, I just realized that I was actually in a cage. Mm -hmm. And I was making good money, but I didn't have time to spend yeah. Um, to keep up a lifestyle that I only needed because I was going to work in Bristol. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so I just I just I just knew that something had to change. And when I started going into my mind thinking, how do people do this? How could normal people as I saw it do it, not special people like the business people that we see are successful? Mm. And that's when it came to me, Alex, property. We all yeah. know normal people who've started investing in property, become very successful, yeah. sometimes accidentally. So I thought, oh, well, if I could do it with a bit of intention, maybe I could do it, you know, on purpose. Yeah. Um, so I started going to all these uh, property events, 
you've probably been some of them yourself. Yeah. And yeah. I was blown away by what people were doing. I just, I just, I could not believe my ears, eyes. And um, of course, some of the some of the strategies that they were doing required hundreds of thousands of pounds, or tens of yeah. thousands of pounds, big developments, new builds, even some of the bigger conversions. But there were also people there who were starting off with very little, who were like me, mm-hmm. and um, and and were doing strategies like um, rent to rent and deal sourcing and other other strategies where you don't need as much money. And yeah. I thought. Oh my goodness. These seem like normal people. They had normal jobs. They had a bit of savings. They started this up that now they're working full time. Now they're doing developments. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I can do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's where it all started. Mm. Wow. That's that's absolutely amazing story. You know, it's <clears throat> it's one of those, like you say. At some point, you know, for people to make a change in the trajectory of their journey, uh, there tends to be, in most cases, you know, some moment of either intuition or crisis or something that happens to, you know, to actually change the momentum of where they are going. And, you know, for you, your mom was was part of that as well, to make you realize that actually there is uh, something else out there that, uh, you know, where life can, can take you. Um, so I guess uh, now going into property, that's like the entrepreneurship side of things. And that can tend to be quite different to the normal, you know, day-to-day job where it's nine to five and it's all certain you've got guaranteed income and all of that. So I guess initially, did you sort of do it part-time as you build yourself up to eventually going into it uh, full-time? Yeah, well, that would have been a sensible thing to do. But I, I was like, I was, my mind was totally property. Yeah. Everything I thought about was property. I would go to work and it was so hard to concentrate because I'd be thinking about property all the time. Yeah. I would be listening to property podcasts in my lunch hour. I was so organized. I had these um, lists uh, in, in apps on my phone of what I needed to do each each lunch yeah. hour as well or after work or before work. And um I I was I had it in my head that this was what needed to happen. And also yeah. I think my age had something to do with it. I did not have time to waste. Yeah. I thought I've wasted so many decades. I need to be on this. Oh, no, um, um, so at the time when I had the first, you know, when, when that call happened, I was 45. And mm. I just thought, right, this is it. This is it. You're you're gonna do this. I mm. I I realized that rent to rent was my thing and I started I was in Bristol working and I would go across to Newport on weekends and do the viewings. Yeah. And I thought it would take a long time to get the first property because mm. at the end of the day we were beginners. Yeah. And um but one of the early properties that we viewed, we got. And yeah. I well it was two properties from one landlord and um I was at I was at work in Bristol, and I had my phone on silent, and my phone went, and I was sort of throwing it up in the air, trying to <laughs> trying to keep my nerves together, and running out of the communal area to take this call, mm-hmm. and um, the call was from the letting agent saying that the landlord wants to go ahead, mm-hmm. and I could not believe it. I couldn't. I literally couldn't believe we got these two properties. I was absolutely ecstatic. I was terrified. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and that was the point. That was in July, June, 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 July, 2016. Yeah. And I was offered an extension on my contract. So that would have been the sensible thing to do. Extend the contract, get a little bit mm-hmm. more cushion behind you. Yeah. But I just thought, I can't concentrate. I can't think about anything else. We've got these two properties to turn around. How how am I going to work in Newport, which is about an hour away? I thought I just need to, I just need to move to Newport and get on with it. And my idea was live on savings. Eventually the business will be able to give us a little bit and then more and more and more over time. But Newport's a low cost of living. I moved into one of these two HMOs until they were, until we got them refurbed and tenanted, then I found my own place. But yeah, mm. um, yeah, it was all very, it was all very quick. And we, I jumped in, I jumped in because my idea was, 
if it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. I can find another contract. Yeah, yeah. For, for work. Wow. So you you jumped in straight away. So um, I mean that that takes quite a bit of um mindset shift in a way, isn't it? Because this yeah. is a where you know fear grips a lot of people because you're taking yourself away from the safety of a guaranteed income yeah. into something that you're believing that you know it could work but that's essentially you know if you look at uh, you know people who are successful like yourself it takes a different kind of ma- mentality or mindset actually because the mindset of uh, someone who is an employee and someone who is taking risks as a business personal investor is completely different and you can't sort of expect to get the results of an investor with the mindset of an employee but uh, making that shift can be quite scary for you so um i guess i mean is is there any i guess apart from the, the fact that you know you seem to be quite passionate you had found something that was uh, engaging you over the time that you're really going to go for it and that that is one of the key area uh, things as well, you know, when you're doing something that you're passionate about, you almost don't need that motivation to actually do it. You just, you know, do it. Almost everything else about the fear and everything, you just block yeah. out yeah? Yeah. and you just, you just go for it. So, I mean, for people who maybe are in a zone when they are clear, maybe they want that, but they are not, yet or ready to actually take the risk or the jump because they are so scared to lose the guaranteed income. What would you say to, to, those, to those people as to, you know, what can they do or what should they do? I, I think be more scared of not doing it. I was mm-hmm. scared about the life that I was going to have if I didn't do it because I realized that I would be tied to maybe not that job, but mm. a contract role that required yeah. me to be at a certain place at a certain time mm. um, for the rest of my working life, unless I made some sort of change to bring mm. in uh, income that comes in when I don't go to work. Yeah. So I knew I got that clarity and I realized that there's, there's fear on both sides. So mm-hmm. I, I built up the level of fear about staying where I was. Mm-hmm. And I also had fear about moving to a new place. Yeah. But I just, the fear of staying where I was was so strong. I had that fire in my belly and I just kept thinking back to that moment um, with mom and being the person I want to be and being mm-hmm. not just the family I want to be, but living the values I want to live. And I just knew that if th- there are things that you kind of know that you should do, and mm-hmm. I just knew in all my being that I should do this, not yeah. necessarily this specific strategy, but I knew that I had to do this. And so I was quite prepared to go into it, fail at it mm-hmm. and uh, go back and get another contract and maybe try something else. Yeah. Um, but I just, I think the, the the secret to it is to ask yourself better questions. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. your brain really helps you. There's so much power in your brain that you don't even know about. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when you ask better questions, usually you're busy asking yourself questions like I used to do. What about if it doesn't work? What about if it mm-hmm. fails? I haven't got any experience for this. That's not a question. But yeah. what do you know? And you failed <laughs> other things. And then your brain looks for all the evidence that you failed before in 19, you know, 1982 when look what happened when you did this your Mm. brain's going to come out it's going to find all of the evidence to support all these negative thoughts but when you ask yourself what if i could buy a property what if i could make money from property i don't own how Mm. are other people doing this who could help me with this who's done this before what books are there on this topic what trainings um how could i learn because that was another big thing i thought I didn't even realize this was a thought until I started going into business, but I thought that business success is not for people like me. That was mm. one of the thoughts that I uncovered. And what I realized is it's because I didn't have that knowledge. So I didn't have that knowledge, but this was a, like a light bulb moment when, oh, no one has the knowledge until they get it. No one has yeah. the knowledge at the start, mm. 
um, they they develop the knowledge on the way. So yeah. when you start off at the bottom of the mountain and you look to the top of the mountain, you see all the people at the top of the mountain, you say, oh, I haven't got what they've got. I haven't got the knowledge to get where they've gone. But they only got the knowledge to get where they've gone on the way up the mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all sorts of obstacles that you've got to overcome on the way up the mountain. You don't know what your specific obstacles will be because every mm-hmm. person who climbs to the top of the mountain has different obstacles. Mm-hmm. And there might be a similar theme to the obstacles, and that's yeah. why there are systems for success. But mm-hmm. you've got to overcome your own obstacles, and you only do it on the way up. You can't just stand at the bottom and wish yourself to the top. You can't just stand at the bottom and go there in one step. You have to go up there step by step by step by step. And that's a good thing because it's easy to take the right step that's right next in front of you, but it's not easy to picture yourself at the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And the, the the secret to success that I found is that you have to do both. You have yeah. to take the next step that's right in front of you and picture yourself at the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. The picturing yourself at the top of the mountain is harder because you have to override your brain, which is telling you you have no experience. Your brain's looking to the past. Mm-hmm. You've never been up a mountain like this before. Yeah. You don't know. You haven't got what it takes for these. Other- I wish you would stay safe. This mountain is dangerous. Get back in the cave. We, w- we just need to- your brain is uh, set up for survival. You know, it's not yeah. set up for success. And so if you want to be successful, you just got to say it's normal that I'm going to have all these thoughts, um, but take the very next step in front of you and think about yourself at the top of the mountain. Mm. Wow, absolutely. I mean, that, that's quite a, a golden nugget you're sharing there, Stephanie. You know? Because uh, like, like you say, you know, we are always, you know, the brain is always trying to keep us in our comfort zone. But uh you know, when you, you study how the subconscious works and how it actually delivers you the, the results, it's it's that, um, you know, the, you, you will have maybe a sort of a intuition of something that you can achieve, but um, you don't know the how as yet. And because you don't know the how, you become uncertain. You don't have that faith. And uh, But, uh, you know, if you just uh, have that faith that you can achieve it, and you know, as the subconscious somehow has got a way of finding the right people, the right places, the right connections to actually deliver it for you. And one of the um, dilemmas people find is that, you know, when you're in the corporate structure, like, you know, a nine to five job, you're dedicating your time and also your, you know, maybe your thinking and all your mind to that to the extent that you don't have the, the, the time and also the intuition to identify opportunities that are outside that are can actually help you on your journey. So it's almost like a catch-22 situation. But you, you do find that, you know, like you, when you make that jump, all of a sudden you're thinking and, and actually observing things you never thought they were there or you, you couldn't have identified when you're in the previous situation because now you're you've freed yourself to those opportunities you know and uh, um if you um, i remember reading this book the uh, the richest man in babylon it discusses yes. the the goddess of good luck you know that's like luck really exists or is it just the preparedness like you've put it that you know you you maybe study the right things you get the knowledge on the way as you build that up it enables you to identify the opportunities that will actually get there. So that's an absolute great uh, share, uh, you know, Stephanie, uh, around that. So, um, um, and then um, what would you say is, you know, has been the power of, have there been, you know, on your journey, people that you've called out as either mentors who have helped you on the way and also uh, the power of, you know, mindset shift uh, in, in your journey. What would you say to that? Yeah, people have certainly helped us. <laughs> and um, the the very first landlord we got, um, he he took a chance on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he we looked he looked at we excuse me we looked a bit green, and he didn't know if we would last. He said, but <laughs> he decided to take a chance on us because he thought we had good hearts. 
Yeah. And um, that is certainly true. We we had every best intention. We our intention was to do absolutely the best that we could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we didn't know for certain that we could do it, but we thought we could. And we um we we thought we could do what we thought we could do because the the beginning strategy. Let me just go back. Was rent mm. to rent where we're renting other people's property. Yeah. And it's such it's such a beautiful business model. Because rather than buy to let where you put fifty thousand pounds into somebody's property, maybe you get two hundred or three hundred pounds a month cash yeah. flow. And mm-hmm. you need that a lot of those fifty thousand pounds to pay for those deposit buying costs, refurb for the properties mm-hmm. that's locked mm-hmm. up within that property to like replace a salary or move on to financial freedom. But with rent to rent, you put in anything from a few hundred to a few thousand pounds, you rent someone's property you do it up a little bit inside, you rent it out to tenants for a higher yet still affordable rent. Mm -hmm. And the rent, after you've paid the bills and you've paid the landlord, the money is left for you. And on each of these properties, we are renting them out as house shares by the room, like a Mm -hmm. student rental, but for professionals. (laughs) For each property, we were making anywhere between 500 and well over a thousand pounds per month per property for properties we don't own. And what we could see is lots of people were doing this unethically. And what we could Mm -hmm. see is if we could add care and do this ethically where everybody wins, then, you know, that is what landlords are looking for. That's what housemates are looking for. And that was phenomenal for our business. And with that strategy, just add care and the ethical win-win-win, we were able to grow that that rent-to-rent business, which is called HMO Heaven. Hmm. And up to where we've got over two million pounds of contracts on our books yeah. now, and uh, just managing other people's properties, and that gave us even at the beginning it gave us so much confidence because it is about mindset, and we did yeah. you know we did power through all the fears yeah. at the beginning, but once we started seeing that we were getting results. We were able to rent out properties that other people couldn't rent out or were, were renting out, but losing money and all sorts and turn those properties around into properties whereby the owners were getting a good uh, rent. We were making a good profit and the housemates were having a good experience. And we mm. saw that and we thought, oh, we we can do this. Yeah. And we could do this with our own properties as well. <laughs> and we started to buy our own properties and build up our own property portfolio yeah. as well wow that, that, that's brilliant and I, I like the fact that where you say because in in rent to rent obviously there's probably be a lot of people you know some doing the same but if you can find and create a brand that is unique to you which is what you you you, you guys did by actually identifying and adding the care element because that's part of your story and part of your brand and that's what distinguishes you from everyone else, and you know you you're quite successful in that as well. So that's uh, that's absolutely a beautiful part of that as well. Create creating your brand. Um, so um, yeah, and then uh, from then on within the property space, obviously it looks like uh, you started diversifying, going into the commercial space. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So we, the very first property that we bought was um, in the business was a commercial property, and it was um, we were going to turn it into an HMO. That was our first idea because we were already managing HMOs. But our architect had the idea. We thought it maybe could do three flats, but our architect had the idea of four flats. Four good sized flats. And so that that property has just worked out so well for us. So we bought that in 2017 for £150,000 mm. with, with commercial tenants in place on a lease. And um, so it was washing its face. It was paying the rent that we were getting from the tenant was paying the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Meantime, we went for planning and we got planning for it to turn to four uh, flats. And the lenders have valued it currently, well, with planning at £300,000. So just with planning, if we hadn't done the works at three hundred, And then after the works, they valued it at five hundred. So the works are currently happening as we speak. Mm. So we will, we will see. But we will keep that property on 
and the rents are going to be from Memi 26 over 26,000 pounds a year gross and because they're all self-contained there's no bills for us to pay it'd just be yeah. the the finance costs and any minor mm. maintenance um so i just think everybody everybody who wants to yeah. can invest in property even starting off with little money because of strategies like rent to rent and mm. because of other strategies where you can <laughs> collaborate with other people who yeah. have money and use their money to invest there's so many opportunities and the oh, biggest yeah. barrier as you've already said is opening your own mind to what is possible absolutely yeah absolutely but i think one of the things people find as well you know if you type up you know like property and things you know online there's just so many things that are out there you know people will talk to you about you know could be buy to let hmos and service accommodation or brr and all sorts so sometimes people get a bit overwhelmed as to which part should i go or where should i go because uh, in reality if you focus and you know put your efforts in any particular strategy people are making money in almost any strategy in property so people will get stuck and get overwhelmed oh you know i see stephanie does rent to rent and then they find someone else they do uh commercial conversions or someone else to some service accommodation which one should i follow but it, you know if you start off with one and it's not so much in line with you as a person uh, you don't last the course because when the the difficult because to be honest even for you you'll find that it's you know you you get to achieve results but it's not all plain selling there's challenges in yeah. every strategy but if it's not aligned to you you're just following someone you can find that you know those challenges you don't enjoy and then you leave it and you go do something else you end up uh trying a number of different things in the end not succeeding in any so what what would be your advice to people who are looking to start they understand yes they can make, make money and property but which strategy should they go to and uh, what, what should they do yeah i think it's really important to get clarity on your vision for your life where do you want to be in five years ten years mm. do you want a big portfolio do you want to continue working some people absolutely love their jobs they want to yeah. continue working they've mm. got a lot of money but little time so that would suggest one type of investment strategy, perhaps buying and holding single lets. Mm -hmm. um, and then, or are they starting from little money and not maybe not a lot of time, but they've got enough time that they can invest into property yeah. for a short period of time in order to give them the income to um to buy their own assets later on and that mm. that would suggest more along the rent to rent sort of uh, strategy yeah um but it will be different for each person to assess what do what resources do they have in terms of time money and knowledge that they already have or that they could get by collaborating with others to think about where they want to go to what does the top of the mountain look like for you yeah. and and then, then that will determine the best way for you to go. But the other thing I want to say is that there's no right and wrong answer because mm. I think what, what trips people up is that they're thinking there's a right and wrong answer. There's no right and wrong answer. Whatever decision you make is the, is the, is the path that you were supposed to take. You were supposed to take the learnings and the, the good and the bad from that path. And then if it's not taking you where you want to go then you change your path change your direction a little bit until you're back on path uh, back yeah. on track mm. um but every part of the journey is meant for you yeah brilliant because it's it's all learning isn't it so you have to enjoy the journey as, as you go through it so um so coming back to you, obviously, like we say, entrepreneurship, business, or working, everything is not you know as rosy or as a plan selling. What would you say for you have been the biggest challenges and also the biggest successes? The biggest challenges, um, I think some of the biggest mistakes that when we were very early and we started off in, in rent to rent and we really wanted the properties, we really wanted to do a good job. And we ended up just spending way, way, way too much money on the refurbishments and things like that. And yeah. at, that, at that stage, we were dealing with other people's properties. Luckily for us, on one property, we spent £12,000, for example, which is mm. way too much. I, I, mm. I, 
I don't know how we spent so much, but <laughs> but it was what we learned from that is actually how to source things at the right price, how to get mm-hmm. the building turned around much more quickly and for a better for a better price. So we get the same result or a better result with actually less spend. So yeah. those were all learnings. But you, you sometimes have to put your feet in the fire mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you don't learn, like you don't learn how to drive until you pass your test. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you can learn the fundamentals so you've got the right kit with you. And then once you're on the, on your way up the, the mountain, when you're getting your obstacles, you then have to work on your feet, say, how can I make this work? That's the situation. When these obstacles come to you, there is a way out. Someone somewhere in the world, and many people, usually many people in many places <laughs> in the world, have already yeah. overcome the obstacle that you're just about to overcome. Because yeah. I think sometimes when people are in something that feels like a terrible mistake, you feel that nobody's ever been there before, that you've got to figure it out on your own. No, somebody's mm. already done this. There's already yeah. a plan. There's already a process. There's already a system for overcoming this um, objection. If you start asking yourself questions like, how could I overcome this? How could I carry on? How could I make this deal still be profitable after spending 12 grand? Because that deal has been a, a, a very profitable deal for us. Mm. We Even after we spent 12 grand on it, uh, we still made uh, 600 a month after deducting the 12 grand over the course of the um the contract and the landlord then extended the contract for another five years so altogether we started off with three years we went to five years so altogether we have it for eight years so you you just start asking yourself how could i make this work who would know how to help help me here or where could i go for information um who's done this before and suddenly answers start coming to you the right people start coming to you yeah. uh so so mm. uh, you asked me about the biggest uh, yeah, yeah the biggest mistakes the biggest successes um i i just think the biggest success was when we it came out of a failure actually the biggest success was mm. we we were trying to buy six bed hmos and we kept being at bid or suffering from lower valuations uh, by lenders so all these deals were falling out of bed but they were it was in a painful way because we would go to see the properties think yeah really want this property this property could really work for us then getting the lender valuations getting a broker getting a lending agreed and then once the the valuation comes in too low falling out Mm. of bed and then sometimes the seller doesn't want to negotiate we don't want to pay the higher price we don't yeah. want to put in have this extra money tied up anyway so things were falling out of bed left and right and then nikki actually my business partner sister and business partner she saw a property that we would never have ever looked at i don't think had we bought one of these other properties and it was a 12 unit property and mm. that put us on a new trajectory because that showed us how incredible it was buying multi-unit blocks, which is I talked about. Mm. And what we realized, what I realized after we bought this, it was £375,000. We're based in Newport in Wales. Mm. So it's £32,000 per unit, per rentable unit. Mm. And each rentable unit rent is £450 to £600. And to buy a unit in Wales, like a studio or a one-bedroom flat that delivers 450 to 600 pounds a month, would usually cost you anywhere between 90 and 120 pounds. Mm. And so to buy these units at 32,000 pounds is an incredible gift for a property mm. investor. And there are so many other uh, blessings when you buy multi-unit blocks because when you do the properties up, you don't need to convert them. They're already converted. You're yeah. just doing a normal basic conversion, redecoration, new kitchen, new bathrooms, etc. Mm-hmm. And when you increase the rent, you increase the value of the property. So mm-hmm. it's not like a normal buy-to-let property. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, we bought it 375. At the time, the rent was um, – the valuation was around 400. But our lender – when we bought it, valued it at valued it at five hundred without the refurb on a wow. ninety day resale 
you mm. know, when they say, so they value it at 500 pounds, uh, 500,000 pounds. And now the rental at the time, the gross rental income was 44,000. Mm. It's now 66,000 a year in gross yeah. rental income. And so the value of that property will have gone up to 660,000 on a 10 times multiplier, which is what, yeah. what was applied before. Mm. And so it's crazy that we're in a low capital value area, but you can increase the value of the property so much because it's a multi-unit block mm -hmm. and its valuation yeah. is worked out differently. Yeah. The other thing you can do is you can split the titles because you're buying 12 units all on one, one right? Mm -hmm. When you're buying them all on one, you get them at a discount, £32,000 each. Yeah. If you split them, people will pay more for them and the market is different. When you're buying, when you're selling all on one title, you're only selling to investors. Yeah. But when you're selling the individual flat, you're selling to, you could sell to investors, but you could also sell to first-time buyers and first-time buyers obviously yeah. pay more yeah. for each individual unit. So there's so many different ways that the strategy um, really works. And so yeah. that's why we love the strategy of the multi-unit books. And that's yeah. been our biggest success. Wow, brilliant. Yeah, that's, uh, thanks for sharing that, Stephanie. Now, uh, looking forward, fast forward five, ten years, what does the vision look like yes. for Stephanie and Nikki? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we absolutely love running running the business that we do. We have the three elements. We've got our HMO heaven, our, our HMO management and rent to rent business. We yeah. have our training business called Rent to Rent Success, where we help other people to get started with the Rent to Rent Success sorry, with the rent-to-rent -rent strategy ethically. Yeah. And we've helped, uh, well, we've inspired thousands of people to do it and mm. we've personally helped hundreds of people to do it. And um, and we have the other business where we're investing in the multi-unit blocks. So we yeah. want to grow all three parts of the business. But, uh, but our long-term vision is to, um, you know, you heard me say earlier, I'm 45. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know how long, left but i feel like i'm just starting out i feel so That's energized true. and um like i'm getting a second um chance at life yeah. um, but one of the things that we want to do is we want to set things up for when nikki and i are no longer here and mm. how we want to do that is we want to have an educational and accommodation trust which yeah. is for all of these properties that we have are passed on in trust for people who struggle to get property affordable mm -hmm property people who maybe are in a situation like i was when i was younger and don't have a lot of money struggle for example one time i walked into a letting agent just me on my own not with mm. not with not with my son alex because and they just looked at me and they said um we don't have anything suitable for you wow. um yeah so uh, we want to have something where we can deliver something for people who struggle like that yeah um that it gives them the great accommodation but it also gives them the education look if you want to buy your own property or if you want to invest not everybody wants to get into property if you want to invest this is how you do it this is how you save this is how you invest this is how the money grows over time it sounds like basic principles but these are principles that i certainly was not aware of in an in a practical sense i was not applying them in my life mm. because one of the things is money flows and for many of us, it just flows right through. Yeah. It just flows right through. So you could work for 10 years and you've got nothing to show. Yeah. Many people work for much longer and they get to retirement and do not have anything for themselves. So when the money flows, let's just take somebody who's on the average UK salary, 25 grand a year. Yeah. In the last 10 years, They've had at least, because mo mo most people are, are, are way above that, mm. they've had at least quarter of a million pound come through their hands. Now, I know people will be quick to say, but what about tax, Stephanie? You've, yeah. You know, I had to pay tax. Well, yes, you did have to pay tax. Mm. But what about the rest of that money, nearly quarter of a million pounds? What have you done with it? Yeah. And this is the secret to wealth creation, is that you have to invest in yourself first. Yeah. And even if you put 10%, if you can't live on 90% of your income, you need to do some work so that you can live on 90% yeah. of your income, okay? Yeah. And then 10% of your income, you invest for yourself. Mm -hmm. And ideally more than that, you invest for yourself. You start off by saving. 
once you've got your saving to the right place, you're then investing. Yeah. And once you're investing, you get the eighth wonder of the world, the power of compound interest. And when you do these compound interest calculators, you can see um, that the, the, your money grows exponentially over yeah. 10, 20, 30 years. So even if you're, wherever you're starting, just just start. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Stephanie. Now for people listening to this podcast and inspired by your story and what you're offering, how can they find you and what is it that you can offer them? Well, um, what I would like to offer is if you're interested in rent to rent and how to get started in property without buying it the ethical way, then go to mm -hmm. renttorentsuccess.com and we'll put a link under the video. Um, yeah, what, I, what I'd like to do is offer a free copy of the book for anybody who's interested. Oh, brilliant. Just leave, okay. leave, a, leave a review for the Business Wealth and Mindset podcast, leave a review yeah. for Alex. and. Yeah. Uh, saying how much you enjoyed the podcast, maybe this episode. <laughs> screenshot it to support at renttorentsuccess.com and we will, with your postal address, and we'll post your copy of the book. I'll, I'll send you that info, Alex, so that you can put that under the video. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll put that uh, in the link. So it's renttorentsuccess.com, is that right? Yeah, rent number two, renttorentsuccess.com. Uh, okay, so uh, I just want to put it up. So rent uh, to rent um, success dot com slash. I I'll make up a, a link. I'll, I'll make yeah, up a link okay. unique for you, Alex. Um, All right, so that people will then get the free guide and masterclass when they go to the link. Yeah. Yeah. Rent to rent success. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. So we'll add that in the link as well. Yeah. And then people can uh, can find you because there'll be a lot of people who will be inspired by your story and what you offer as well and what they can literally benefit from. Because yeah. like you say, in property, you need those three things, the time, experience, knowledge, and the money. So depending yeah. on which combination you have, you know, rent to rent could be a perfect strategy for, for people to actually start with as well. So, yeah, it's been absolutely amazing having you on the podcast, Stephanie. Uh, just wanted to finish by um, just a, a lighthearted this or that game with you. Just find out more about you and yourself. Yeah? See how well you know yourself. So i just ask you, give you two choices. You pick one quickly. See how quickly. So if I said dinner or breakfast, which one are you? <clears throat> Dinner. <laughs> yeah, my dinner. You're not a morning person of breakfast. I, I am a morning person and I do like breakfast, but dinner dinner tends to be a more sociable time where you might yeah. be meeting up with friends or something. Yeah. Typically yeah. I, I'm I'm dining alone, but mm -hmm. I, I love the sociability and getting together with, with friends for with food. Uh, so that's why I chose that's why I went for dinner. Yeah, brilliant. Are you a cat or a dog person? Definitely dog. There's no <laughs> question. There's no question. I've got an obsession with dash hounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, are you a, a tea or coffee? I am a coffee, but yeah. I do do tea as well. And uh, but but I love the taste of coffee. Yeah. A coffee. Yeah. Okay. Are you a text or a call? Mmm. I used to be definitely the call. I think now I'm more a text. <laughs> text. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because more it's because we've got our smartphones, we prefer just messaging someone quickly, I guess. Just depends. I'm not very good with the text though, and sometimes I like the little voice notes because, like, if you've got to say something complicated, um, yeah, uh, then, then I go to the voice note and just say, How about are you a beach or mountain? Oh, that's a tough one, actually. I yeah. really, I think right now I would say beach, but I'm not too good in the sun. Oh. I really come out in this terrible heat rush, <laughs> but just just because of lockdown and we haven't travelled for a long time, yeah, I think it would be nice just to go away and just be somewhere warm. I would have to make sure yeah. I'm in the shade, in the shade. Um, <laughs> and and just just relax and chill out. 
Um, yeah. But I love mountains. I, I yeah. love being up high. I, I used to do a lot of hill walking when I lived in Edinburgh. Yeah. I'd go up to the highlands of Scotland yeah. and, wow. and yeah. do the Munros. And so, mm. so I, I, I'm a mountain girl as well. Yeah. Cool. Um, are you a uh, comedy or drama? Oh, God, these are tough, aren't they? <laughs> I think I would say drama. Yeah, drama. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I like to get all involved with 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 the television. The, sometimes my son goes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't actually have a television. I don't watch a lot of television. But when we watch films together, for example, at Christmas and stuff, yeah. um, and Alex will go, "It's only a film, Mom," because I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> getting really upset. They're just yeah. they're just telling a story, Mom. But yeah. the good ones, the good ones, they're not just telling a story; they're making it real. Making it real. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Because that was the next one, actually. Are you more real story or reality TV? A real story, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, last but not least, and this is a big one. Are you a hope or freedom? Hope or freedom? Mm. Wow. <laughs> I Because I, I, I guess hope, it's, you know, when you have, it's like something you're looking forward to that gives you hope, that drives you, and uh, there's meaning to the journey because it's something. I guess freedom, like you've arrived and everything is around here so it's yeah, yeah. an interesting one that one yeah for me it's hope because i'm always on the road i'm always on the road no matter yeah. what no matter where i arrive which which mountain i get to the top of i'm always yeah. going to be looking for yeah. something else that's who i've become on the way mm. it's not who i always was yeah uh, brilliant now stephanie it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will enjoy listening to your story and the golden nuggets that you've shared with us. And um, yeah, so we look forward to, I'm sure we'll catch up with you again at some point, but uh, again, you know, our listeners will uh, should be able to contact you again from through Rent to Rent Success and probably social media, your social yeah. media as well. Like yeah, Facebook, I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Um, Stephanie T Property. Yeah. Uh, we've got a Facebook page, Rent to Rent Success, and I'm also yeah. Stephanie Taylor on on Facebook and LinkedIn. Stephanie Taylor and Rent to yeah. Rent Success. We're yeah. in all the places. Brilliant. That's that's absolutely amazing. So uh, yeah, thank you very much, Stephanie. So I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and it's just been an absolute pleasure catching up with you, and we'll catch up very soon. Thanks. Thanks a million. Thanks, Alex. Um, yeah. See you soon. Bye. See you Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye.